I was insulted by mountains. I was insulted by some people who said, "Ah, you're from the flat country. You never, you know, will run fast in the mountains." Because you've written about running being more than just the competitive thing and more than just some kind of therapy. You know, running became my religion. You know, I, I'm calling running my teacher. Hi, welcome to the Pylon Ultra Pod. I hope you managed to listen to our last episode with Mel Howshield. Mel is one of the most successful triathletes ever and it's been amazing for us to talk to athletes from different sports who are performing at the very highest levels. And we get the chance to do that again this week, but this episode is from the sport that's closest to our hearts, ultra running. As this series is supported by Sport, we're lucky to have access to some incredible athletes and this week we take the opportunity to speak to one of the best performing ultra trail world tour runners, Gediminis Grenace. Gediminis is such an interesting character in the sport, he's pulled amazing results at some of the biggest races in the world and for someone who comes from a pretty flat country like Lithuania, he's a monster in the mountains. But a real family man at heart, his story of his time in the military in Iraq certainly puts our race experiences into context. It's something that changed him forever. He started running on road, moved to trail, and now you'll only ever see him racing in the mountains. He's been with Comprisport for a number of years, and we're lucky that Comprisport design and produce some of the best clothing and kit for ultra running, from the lightest packs for long days on the trails to blister-free socks for chasing that marathon PB. I'm finally back home in Chamonix now, so don't have access to the same kind of studio for recording this podcast. We also had a couple of technical issues this week and Gediminis was very kind with his time as we sorted stuff out. Later in the episode, the biggest alpine storm rolled in and you might hear a little rain bouncing off the roof of my house. Despite my best efforts, let's just say it adds to the authenticity. Anyway, enough from me. Here is episode four of the Pylon Ultra pod. Hi James, how are you doing? That's us into August already. Time is flying, eh? It sure is. Um, it, it's hard to believe. And the great news is in Scotland, kids go back to school in about 10 days. So um, they've been off for a while with this COVID stuff, but um, they, they're looking forward to that now as well. So I see some racing has started again. I've seen some pictures from a few races in Europe and Switzerland. Mostly seems to be a lot of races going on in Switzerland. And there's photos of people, lots of people that start line with face masks. So I think that could be our new normal, you reckon? <laughs> well, I've seen a couple of those photos and you know what immediately flashed into my mind? Um, Bane from Batman. It was like a big convention of Banes going around. So maybe maybe that's the thing. We're all superheroes now or is that a baddie? I'm not sure, Paul. Mm, but yeah, at least we're out running and that's what matters, isn't it? Absolutely. Okay, we are absolutely delighted to welcome Gediminis to the show. We've been trying to sort this out for a couple of weeks, so we're really excited to finally make this happen. Hi Gediminis, how are you doing? Thanks so much for joining us. Where are you at the moment? Hi Paul and hi James. Nice to be with you guys. And I'm currently in Fiorina, back home, because kind of, you know, I missed being back home because we were traveling for eight last summer so i'm enjoying just you know cherries strawberries and all other berries which are growing in my yard (laughs) 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 sounds great sounds idyllic now before we talk more about your successes in the sport and how you have built this life around your training and racing 
it would be good for us to go back uh, to life before the Ultra Trail World Tour, what your life looked like before competitive running and how you ended up in the sport. So I think most people who know you already, even if it's just through social media, will be aware of your military background. Can you maybe tell us a bit more about that and how that time you spent in the military has shaped how you live your life now? Okay, so so yeah, I've never been a, a runner and I kind of in my youth, I didn't like running at all. You know, I just did it because it was must. And it was like, you know, my first encounter with running probably was, you know, in the school, but you know, we hate it. And then I had to, to join the military, you know, I started to run just to pass a three kilometers exam. And, and when it was done, I focused, you know, on more on martial arts, which I was kind of in love with, yeah. you know, we watched, yeah, you remember the times when, you know, because I'm from the nineties, you know, so you remember the times, you know, watch Van Damme, Bruce Lee yeah. movies, you know, and wanted to be the same. Yeah. yeah. So it's basically what <laughs> built me like a personality the first time, you know, and I think, you know, you cannot neglect and say that it gave me nothing. I guess it was a kind of a good, good start, you know, to become a runner. But anyway, I joined the military academy, you know, and I did this martial arts. I did military pentathlon, but I've never imagined myself being a runner. Uh, but the things, you know, like some things cannot be assessed from beginning, you know, so... Uh, by graduating military academy, you know, and being a young officer all the time, wanted to to prove or to try my skills, you know, in practice. And this opportunity was for me by going on a mission, you know, yeah. and I volunteered for my first mission. And I was there, you know, I was in Iraq, you know, at, in the middle of a, a kind of increase of uh, insurgency. Yeah. And, and, you know, like during that time in 2007, uh, I went actually with a, kind of in the middle in Iraq, you know, like with British troops, Polish troops and US troops. And we're living in a base, you know, one kilometer and one kilometer wide. And we had a kind of 300 rocket and mines, which hit our base, you know, like people were injured, people were dead, you know, like buildings were... Uh, on fire so by seeing them you know i couldn't cope normally yeah. and I, I think a lot of of my friends could not do that as well and we found the uh, different remedies you know like some people just went to the drugs or alcohol and i kind of found or googled that running can help with that and i started to run but of course it was nothing crazy it was like three 10ks you know yeah. around the perimeter yeah. and some of these runs for sure were interrupted you know by mines or rockets landing you know at the same time while you were running <laughs> and you know yeah so just you know wow. it, it's like crazy life was there like even me going to the shower you know and having a shower you know and you know i'm having a shower basically and I hear the noise, you know, like, like the rocket is going in and the rocket just landed in the shower, but it didn't explode, you know, and by seeing that, you know, like you're shattered, yeah. you know, and, you know, at that time, my wife, you know, was pregnant with my youngest son. And I just imagine, you know, like that I'm not be able to see them again. 
uh, because there is no such a thing, you know, like return ticket, then your mission is not over. So, so you know, but just by imagining myself dead, you know, and the Ginter is crying, you know, the boys are crying, uh, I got really frustrated, really anxious, like, and, and yeah, I had a bad thoughts, you know, like dark thoughts. Uh, and just to avoid that, I started to run there, you know, and luckily, you know, uh, to me, you know, and unlucky to some of my friends, you know, I I went back home, you know, and and just by returning, returning home, you know, I I still had this with me, you know, uh, I wasn't the same guy or the same man or the same husband or the same father who left the home, you know, I was more angry, you know, I increased the voice on my wife, you know, like say bad things to my kids, you know, and and I noticed it myself, you know, I hided it from the, from the doctors, which examined me as, you know, I was young and I didn't want to admit that I have such a problems. Uh, but of course, nothing was normal with me. So in order to, you know, in order to be able to stay in the military, as it was like something what provided me for, for life. So, so I started uh, you know, to be depressed more and more. And I said, okay, at some point they said like, I, I cannot live anymore like that. And I checked the Google because it was the best doctor, which I had and the doctor, which I trust. <laughs> and I found actually the article that some Vietnam veterans were treated with, uh, uh, some endurance activities. And I said, okay, maybe if you're running, help me to cope with this, uh, stress you know in iraq maybe i could try it do uh, as well at home and i started to run you know and step by step you know the symptoms decreased you know my family noticed that i'm better person you know that it helps me and they uh, they've been very supportive they let me run you know long hours uh, because the more the longer I run uh, the longer distance I run, the better person I came back home. So, and this is kind of uh, how the running came back. Oh, running came to my life. Yeah, I can't, I can't, okay. I can't imagine what that's like when you you must constantly be in that fight or flight mode. You know, when you're on that base like that and just fearful the whole time. Yeah, and you know, it's like crazy thing, but now. When I remember that we, I came back home, you know, I felt frustrated. I, of course, I was scared of mines and rockets, but somehow I wanted to go back yeah. because somehow I felt that it was a great mission which we're doing there. And I felt that we're kind of very useful and very important people who are doing some good for the world there. And back home, you know, it's changed, you know, and... I, I just didn't see the purpose, you know, here to do something, you know, so, yeah. so it was like kind of very diverse feelings, you know, like, you know, like depression, you know, the stress, post-traumatic stress syndrome. But anyway, by having that, you know, I wanted to come back and I, I don't know just why, you know, it's just the question which I cannot answer right now, you know, because later I, I decided, you know, like, when I was about to send to my third mission, actually, I, I, I said to my boss, if you're sending me, I'm quitting the military. Yeah. That's all, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. And I was lucky that she, you know, 
she understood that and I wasn't sent, you know, like straight away to a mission because sometimes, you know, in military, you cannot, you cannot, you, you don't have a choice, yeah. basically. Yeah, you're yeah. told what to do. Yeah. And Gedimenis, at what point did the competitive side of your nature come in then? Because obviously you were doing it and it was it was some kind of relief for you and it, it helped you to feel more balanced in your life. But when when did you first start getting competitive with your running? Actually, it's all started at first on the road uh, because I kind of been successful, you know, in the ultra events here back home in Lithuania. And I... I've been on the Lithuanian team because we, at that time, we didn't have a lot of good runners. So, you know, anybody, anyone actually who, who wanted to compete like in the world champs for 100K, they, they, they had a chance to do it. Yeah. And, and at some point, you know, one of my friends offered me the BIP in world championship. And I said, yeah, okay, why not? You know, and, and I went there and I saw so, so different life, you know, like the life of athletes. And I still didn't, you know, like, related myself as being the athlete. I, I did it just for fun, you know, it was kind of uh, yeah. still still recreational, but I did it with a passion and, you know, like I am kind of goal orientated, you know, so if I'm doing something, I'm doing it 100%. So, you know, of course I had like a training plan prepared by myself, you know, and maybe it was not a good one, but I started, you know, like to, to do it more religious. You know, to do it more religious, yeah. to, to to have some results. And in Lithuania, we had this, like, 100k record. I don't remember now the time, but it was something like 730 or 720, I guess. Yeah. Which nobody could broke, you know, for 20 years. And somehow, you know, it clicked to me that I could break it. Mm-hmm. And and in 2012, I did it. You know, and it was kind of the first, the first thing. Uh, which built my confidence, you know, and it yeah. was probably the first time when I thought maybe I should change the profession, you know, because it gave me more happiness, you know, like getting ready for an event. Uh, and of course, like by breaking uh, the record, you know, like um, something happened in internally to me and I said, okay, I want to try to do it internationally, you know. And after that, 2014, the Ultra Trail World Tour started and, you know, I wrote to Marie and uh, actually to Christina to love her race and ask her, you know, if I can come. And of course, I showed already my results like on the road, but she generously agreed. And, you know, I was running there with Anton Krupitska and Mike Foote about whom I was reading, you know, just in the glossy magazines yeah. Yeah. at the time, learning from them, you know, from their tips. Uh, but actually, I didn't spend much time in the mountains because Lithuania kind of flat country, so we, we don't have mountains. So you know, so so I was training basically you know, on the flat, uh, and I don't know, strange thing happened. You know, I was in the race, like running the first thirty kilometers in the first place, and I said something wrong. You know, why the guys are not passing me? You know, something yeah. strange. But of course, you know, it was my first race like that internationally, so. Uh, I kind of made a, a nutrition mistakes and my stomach was upset, you know, and I dropped to seven, I think, after the first or second station, like, and, you know, the Krupitska passed me, my foot, but I put my shit together and I kept fighting, you know, and I finished the, in the third place, you know, after these two famous guys. And I said, yeah. okay, okay, maybe it's an accident, you know, maybe, you know, I was lucky, so I need to try. To, 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 to do these kind of races, you know, more often. 
So the next race was Montblanc, you know, my first 100 yeah. mile after after the Labaredo, you know, in two months. Again, I got you, the spot. You did that in the same year. I did the same year. It was my first <laughs> year in the mountains. So, you know, and yeah. I still yeah. didn't have a clue how to train, you know, for the trail yeah. races. But it was the Ultra Trail World Tour. And at that time, we counted three races to be qualified in the rankings. So I said, OK, I'll do after Labaredo because I didn't know actually uh, by joining Lavaredo that Ultra 2 exists. I just figured out it there. So I spoke with organizers and I said, okay, I want to do Montblanc and I want to do Reunion because it was basically the last two races left in the tour. And both yeah. of them were 100 miles. And okay, they accepted me after my success in Lavaredo. And yeah, so there I was, you know, in, in Chamonix, you know, starting my first 100 mile race in the mountains. And yeah, so my plan was simple, just to stick with uh, Mike Foot, uh, who was doing that race as well, you know, and mm-hmm. and because I knew that guy, and I, I said, okay, if I could race with him, you know, like in Lavaredo, so probably I could do the same in in Montblanc. And I was running with them, uh, with him and Jason Schlarp for the most of the yeah. time. We didn't talk because I didn't know the guys at yeah. that the time you know but i was following them and somehow i finished you know like straight after the jason i think in the fifth position and yeah so it was kind of breaking point for me because we're more blank you know it's kind of olympics you know it's like super important race yeah. a lot of good runners are coming so after that race you know my confidence was built because i did lavaredo i did UTMB, i did good so so I kind of have an idea how to train for upcoming races so the next one was you know reunion and yeah, so after in Union, where I finished like fourth, because I think I lost the third position by 10 seconds to French guy Aurelien yeah. Collet, you know, on the last downhill. So, and it was actually the longest race I've ever did because it, it was the change of the course and because of the fall of something. And I did it like in 27 hours and a half, you know, so yeah. nonstop. So running, yeah. So, so yeah, this three races in 2014 basically build me you know because after that i started to train more professionally and more orientated to the mountains and the trails because before that i was totally you know like recreational runner who ran on the roads on asphalt and yeah so so this is how it started you know so and after that you know i have an ambition because that year i finished the ultra true in the third position and i wanted to you know to to win it you know like it could sound like stupid if i would say the same you know in 2014 nobody believed me but yeah so this is uh, how my runner's life started that was an insane first year it's just incredible to get those results when you haven't had mountain experience at all yeah i I had some (laughs) mountain experience actually to be honest because i participate participated in like two two world championships before that with the Lithuanian yeah. team. But just, you know, like the first one was in 2009, I guess, in uh, Ser Chevalier, I think, in France. Yeah. It was like Meryl Sky Race, like 80K. So, you know, <laughs> but it was like kind of experience for me because like like at some point in Lithuania, somebody you know, in this like organization told, who wants to go for the trail world championship? And nobody knew what this trail means at all, you know? So... So, so basically, you know, I applied because nobody was there and uh, like, uh, <laughs> I were like three or four, like old guys applied together with me and we were totally surprised because, uh, you know, 
we didn't expect to be at mountainous race, you know, and yeah. So, and after that, I basically in 2009, they said, no, I'm not doing this kind of races because it's nonsense, you know, because it's impossible to run. There is no road. We are running off road. You know, it's a lot of stones. We, you know, we are running on the snow in 3000 meters. It's, it's not running, you know? So yeah. yeah, but never say never, you know, after that, you know, some, some other things happen, which, you know, like yeah, actually shaped my life in totally different direction. <laughs> and, and after that, I mean, what you haven't said was after that epic June to October in 2014, you went on to win Trans Gran Canaria um, in the March of 2015 and finished oh, yeah. fourth in Western States and won um, Ultra Trail Mount Fiji, I think, later that year as well. So 2014 was a massive, a massive launch pad and it just got better the following year. Yeah, it's true. Uh, as I said, you know, I wanted to prove the world that Lithuanians, you know, from a flat countries, they can run as well, you know, and because like, I yeah. was insulted by mountains, I was insulted by some people who said, ah, you're from the flat country, you never, you know, will run fast in the mountains. So it was kind of, you know, like negative energy, which I tried to transform to the good one. And yeah, 2014 was a good platform. You know, I met some good people who gave me some tips how to train, you know, and good advices, you know, where to start. And yeah, I started to build up myself like an runner. And yeah, like you mentioned, 2015 and 16 were like super successful year, uh, successful years. Yeah. And and I've actually, I've raced um, Alexander Sorokin. I was at the, the World Champs last year when he ran, which on the 24, oh, yeah. which, is, which is super flat. Do you, do you fancy... Do you ever think about doing the 24-hour format? Because clearly you have it. Actually, actually, it was on my mind, you know, but now when I must choose between the flat running and mountain running, I'm choosing mountain running. And okay. it's nothing, I, I can do nothing with that, you know. Uh, if I would have a time, probably I would do, you know, 24 hours because I think Lefene could form a good team, you know, and yeah. we could fight for medals. Especially with Sane, who actually broke my 100k records on the flat in Qatar, yep. I think. Yeah. So, so yeah. So we have a pretty good team, but yeah, you know, I'm 41 year old, so I, I, I must choose what I like. You know, what gives me a pleasure, and mountains are my passion. Like, and flat running is just substitute to that. Yeah. Good. I mean, so I've read a few things that you've written, some really interesting pieces you've written about um, running being more than just the competitive thing and more than just some kind of therapy, mm. but it being like a spiritual journey for you. Um, can you can you maybe talk about how that's become deeper for you and, and what you get from spending all that time in the mountains and training hard and racing hard? I know, well, the, being competitive, you know, for several years didn't give me a joy anymore. Because I lost yeah. kind of goal, you know, of being, mm -hmm. you know, so competitive. So I don't know how Paul Capet doing that because, you know, he's so young and he's on the same path. You know, he's winning everything and he's still ambitious. And even today he was, I think, second in the Sweden in this Pajal Mar Marathon 100. Yeah. So, so for me, it wasn't like that. You know, I lost my concentration and like, like 2017 and 18 was like, not disaster for me. I still won some races, you know, I had some result, good results. But somehow the transformation in my mind started and I didn't want to win the races. I want just to stay in the running as long as I can, you know. And yeah. it 
yeah. it kind of transferred from the my goal to win the races to prove that I can race to the uh, longevity goal. You know, so yeah, and somehow you know running became my religion. You know, I, I'm calling running my teacher, and I'm doing that just because of uh, some bullets which we discussed uh, way back. You know, uh, you know like how it. Uh, uh, how it gives us a clear thinking, you know, how it helps us to cope with our emotions. And I'm calling it religion just because I dis- my mom is very religious, you know, and she's all the time uh, saying to me like, oh, get the minutes, go with me to the church, you know, like pray. But mm-hmm. I am not a believer, you know, like, and I'm trying at some point to explain here that my God, I in the mountains, you know, like, and I'm doing basically the same. While I'm running, I'm praying. You know, I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for humanity. I'm praying for this world. You know, and this is kind of you know my way or my religion, which I found. And I don't think that it differs much, you know, from Christianity, you know, or Buddhism or any other, you know, because it gives basically the same the same thing, you know, what it gives to the people who are believing in different stuff. So. So, yeah, so basically running freed me, you know, and it showed me other way of living, you know, and I'm doing it pretty much religious, you know, like all the people are going to the church, you know, each Sunday I'm doing it each day. So I I would say, like I said to my mom, I'm more religious, you know, like most of the people, you know, so (laughs) yeah, yeah, for sure. that's quite a good way to look at it. And and Gediminas, can I ask, is, is your body art and your tattoos then, is that part of that same spiritual journey for you as well? Or uh, you know, it's like it, it started basically as well with the racing because my very first tattoo uh was the names of my kids, you know, because during this race which I mentioned, uh the flat race, one hundred K race in Lithuania where I broke the record. I was super tired and I was almost about to drop, but I said, okay, if I finish, if I break a record, so I'll do the tattoo of my boys because they are here, they are supporting me, they are giving me so so much joy, you know, and um, they were here, you know, like to see how I'm winning and I must be the role model. So basically, uh, you know, I just kept my promise, you know, and I just put the ink, you know, with the names of my boys and somehow it's like clicked to me and after... You know, each race where I had a good results, like, you know, I had kind of this scale, you know, if I'll be in the top five in Ultra Tail World 2 races, I'll do one tattoo, you know. So I have a tattoo for Mount Fuji, for, you know, Taravera, I have for Cappadocia, and so so on and so on, you know, for Hong Kong. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so this is how it started with these tattoos. And I like this kind of art, you know, it's kind of graffiti yeah. on your body. So, so, yeah, so it just looks looks nice you know and i you know when i look at myself you know so uh, i see the accomplishments you know and i see some story behind it and it's kind of a good reminder from where i started especially with a phoenix on my legs because uh i kind of felt uh you know like destroyed damaged man and i kind of raised from ashes so so yeah so it's kind of reference to my life you know and each tattoo has a meaning you know and some deeper meanings which i don't want to discuss here but yeah. yeah yeah but they are they are in my body you know they are in the ink you know and they are with me so 
they have some energy as well, you know, so because you yeah. cannot put whatever you want on in your body, you know, in your system because everything is alive and everything could be read and it kind of can have a fate. So, yeah, so each tattoo is meaningful. Each tattoo is with a positive energy. So, yeah. It's nice to look at your running here. Yeah, because running is a big part of my life. And I would say now it's a huge part of my life because like our whole family lives like, you know, like with the running, you know, with the traveling through the mountains, with enjoying with the nature, you know, and I'm trying to share it with my kids, you know, and yeah, it's sad, but you know, my elder son, he's not, not accepting that, but probably he'll find his own way, you know, but my younger son, he's kind of really full head into the mountains less than he's into the soccer yeah football whatever it's in english yeah. but yeah so but but yeah he is like really into the mountains he's so strong you know much stronger than me and he's much stronger now even being you know just uh 13 years old than my wife you know hiking up the mountains you know and running so yeah so he's kind of promising runner and he's kind of sees himself like a runner as well so so yeah so I like to see that uh, as well, you know, and, you know, just by showing my family, like different life, you know, and different approach to life makes me happy. And probably, you know, my children don't agree with everything what I'm saying, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. they are laughing when I am talking about, about mountains, about the positive energy, because, you know, like yeah. you need to be more mature. But my idea is that at some point, you know, in the life and they'll be grown up you know they'll remember what i told them and they'll remember the mountains they'll remember beautiful countries we visited the trails and yeah. and hopefully you know they'll be back with their families with their kids you know there yeah. to, to, to take some you know like points for them you know yeah. and get them in a side um couple of things i have quite a few tattoos myself and very similar to your story about the origins of them. My, I have two two young boys as well, and I have their names tattooed, and then it escalates from there. I have some race results, and um, I even have the time of my first ever 100-mile tattooed on me. I don't think I've ever told anyone that. It's not an impressive time. It was like 16.47 or something, but um, it was good. Um, and I, I really I really love hearing you talking about your family and your, your kids there. And... and a lot of people find it hard to work out how someone can train and work as hard as you do and still be a great father and a great husband. Do you have any advice for our listeners as to how you manage that? And what's the one thing that helps keep you guys working together as a family unit, as a team? Do you travel together or do you share results? What, what advice would you give to people listening? You know, like, to be a good father, you must have a good wife. Yeah? So... It's not a secret, but you know, my wife Gintere, she she basically takes almost all the care about the boys while I am not uh, back home. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, I'm trying to 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 take my family in all the travels, in all the races where I'm going, because the one advantage is you know that it opens their mind you know they opens their eyes and they are uh, they are uh, kind of evolving like a person's and I as a father can be with them and spend more time uh, as like in the previous years when we didn't have a uh, this corona times you know I traveled a lot and 
Per home, yeah. I've been basically just three months per year. Uh, besides that, I was traveling. But of course, I've been with the kids and family more because we traveled like four months per year all together. So, and even the last year, we went to Grand Slam uh, two years. So we spent all together, you know, like each day, you know, like <laughs> at least 12 hours while we're not sleeping, uh, you know, like yeah, continuously, like three, four months. Yeah. So I think to answer like more directly to your question, is that you must be with your kids. You must be with your family. You must be involved in the activities. Because I remember when I came back from a mission, you know, like, and my son was young at the time, and one was just newborn, and they didn't see me just half a year, but he didn't recognize me, you know. He just hid behind the mom, and I yeah. was kind of complete stranger. So if you want to avoid these kind of situations, to be the strangers with your kids, you must to to grow with them, you know, to grow together, yeah. you know, to travel together, to have a good and bad times together, to overcome it, you know, and just to to become stronger together. So this is your advice. Just be involved in the family. Don't escape from them, you know. So and yeah. Yeah. And it, it really sounds to me get them in this like connection, whether it be with your physical environment or your your home and your loving environment's really important to you as a as a human being. Um, and I think we can all learn from that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, and it's, you know, it's like, and sometimes I'm looking, <laughs> not looking, but like, it's kind of selfish thing for me, but it's again, like advice for runners probably, you know, like when you're evolving your family into the racing, into the races, you know, when they are waiting for you in aid station, you have this additional power, additional yeah. motivation, you know, to yeah. go to that aid station to meet them. And sometimes like, uh, you want to drop the race, but you're doing this race for them. You're not doing it for yourself, you know. They sacrifice so much for you, you know. They let you go, you know, for trainings for the mirrors hours, you know. They sacrifice the time when you can play the football or be with them, just read the books. Then you were just alone and separated from them. So just knowing that, you know, how much they sacrifice and then they're still waiting for you in that aid station, the rain aid station, mother aid station sometimes, you know. And they're, you know, holding this bottle of banana, you know, whatever, what you want to grab, you know, you're doing it for them. And sometimes yeah. you can overcome the pain, you know, because, yeah, it's not the secret that we have, uh, you know, like this, like demons inside you and pain in your muscles. And sometimes you want to stop, not to run at all, but yeah. you can do it much easier, you know. So, so, and, you know, it's a good lesson for the kids as well, because we see father who is suffering, but he's again reaching his goal so you are becoming a good role model you know like kind of superman for your kids you know yeah. because yeah yeah so and just it's like mutual relation you know mutual sacrifices mutual happiness you know just br brings the family together yeah. i think it's really important for kids as well when they when they can see their parents are really genuinely passionate about something as well you know because it might be that your kids don't want to run when they're later or when they're older and that's fine but I would imagine they're going to be passionate about something because they've had that from such a young age with you and, and your wife. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying that it should be about running, you know, but it's just yeah. example that you must be stubborn, that you must reach your goals no matter what, that you are not stopping in the middle of the way and they just see that family supports each other, you know, and that supports matters. So I think they'll take this lesson and they'll adapt it to any, you know, cause of action they are choosing. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Obviously, um, can I ask you maybe, you might have answered this already, but I'll go through it anyway. So obviously you've done most of the World Tour races. You've raced some of the biggest and most competitive races in the world. You've had great results there. But what's been your most important, significant race? Maybe not because of the great result. And, and maybe it is. Maybe it's Lavarido in 2014. I don't know. But what's the one race or result that changed something in you? And it might, like I said, it might not be that you won the race. It might be mm. that something yeah. changed in your mind or your life. It's, it's a very tough question actually because you know like like each win or loss in the race like is a lesson learned and it brings yeah. you something on the table you know like uh, but yeah and i think carl asked me something similar and i i wrote i don't remember lavaredo gran canaria but let me let me think. even that even that 100k record i guess was significant to you because yeah, yeah. because all, you, fe- all you felt you could yeah, yeah. I, I think like all all of the races are important because they are building you like a person. You know, you're you're learning something from these races. You know, and they are making you a man you are actually. So, but okay, if I need to choose the one, which is probably we well, can come well, back to well, it. we can come back to it later if anything comes yeah, to your mind if you want. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's come back later because I, I don't know how to answer. It's like uh-huh. then I'm 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 trying to say you know like. Okay, this race, but suddenly in my mind pops up another, which is probably yeah. more important. So it's kind of, you know, I, I have no answer for that. The true right. answer, I don't have it. Indeed. Um, Grand Slam intrigues me. Um, it's something you, you did um, a, a few years back. Um, can you can you just tell people what that is and, and what compelled you to do that um, as a series of events? Actually, I did it last year in 2019. Yeah. And- yeah, in states, and it is a Grand Slam is basically like four oldest races, like four 100 mile races in the United States. Uh, and what it makes a Grand Slam, uh, or what it makes it difficult to accomplish, is that the time for recovery between the races is very short, you know. And my sequence, which I chose, because there is actually five races, I think, uh, but the sequence which I chose was the Western State, yep. uh, Vermont, Leadville, and Wasatch. And basically, recovery between these races uh, is like from two to three weeks. And all of them are 100 milers. And so, yeah, so basically, I chose, you know, doing Grand Slam in the first place because it is something what people consider impossible to do, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. and I... And it's kind of self-destructive because if you look at the people who did a Grand Slam, basically some of them never came back to the running again, you know, like from the, I'm trying to remember the name, Nick Clark. Yeah, he's the British Clark. guy. Yeah. yeah. How many Charmin? Yeah, they did it the same yeah. way, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. They did the race, but what I'm trying to say that Nick Clark never got no. back to the running because he had this mysterious adrenaline fatigue. Yeah. Yeah. And but basically, this is what attracted me because I don't know, maybe I'm a little bit self destructive, you know, but or maybe I'm just trying to do impossible things. But this is what attracts me, you know, because it's kind of impossible thing, you know, and you don't know what's going to happen to you. And I like to risk and I like to prove, like it was at the beginning of my story, you know, I tried to prove that the guy from the flatland can't run. So here I try to prove that you still can do a Grand Slam, you still can win Grand Slam, you 
can do it well and you can recover and you can race later on in the years yeah so so this was basically my my goal and my you know like another goal for that was just to bring family to us and to have a good holidays with a family yeah. uh because we we never did it together so it was good opportunity for my kids you know to to learn about another culture another continent you know to meet uh different people and to have a, just a great time you know so i was really blessed uh, last year because if i chose this year so it probably would be destroyed yeah. my plan yeah not probably but for sure it would be destroyed so i was blessed that i decided to do it last year and i kind of had a good result but i expected to do actually better because i went after the yeah, ian's sherman record we're kind of friends you know and we joked at one of the ultra uh ultras meeting you know and the idea was born and the original plan actually i don't know if probably nobody knows but original plan was that me ian and jeff browning are doing this together uh because and we had already you know like no takes uh, no take backs or whatever hashtag but anyway for one another reason it didn't happen because ian wanted to go for for his uh i don't remember why he backed off i think he wanted to do this like western state very well and he didn't feel that he's up to grand slam anymore and jeff wanted to go to hard rock so and with putting hard rock you know again to grand slam races it's kind of very difficult to complete so so yeah so i was finally alone you know on the start line but i wanted to 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 break the ian's record and everything was kind of good you know uh yeah. going well but yeah but Leadville destroyed me completely you know i don't know what happened because usually like because i did the races in the altitude you know i did the siguang which is above three thousand meters you yeah. know in china i did one race in china which is like yuzu peak when you're starting yeah. just at 4,000 meters and going to the almost 6,000 meters. So, wow. yeah. but And I've never had uh, anything similar like what happened to me in Leadville. You know, I was just destroyed. I couldn't run. You know, I have no no power in my legs. I had no oxygen. And, yeah, so, so I miss this goal. And I think that in the future, maybe, uh, it will be a chance for me to repeat Grand Slam. I, I'm thinking about that. But other goals, you know... I reach or I complete it uh, because my family was there. We have a great time. I wasn't yeah. destroyed after the Grand Slam because st almost straight after that, I did the 250K race in Mexico. This Ultrax as well, the British one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. So my running legs were still there. I didn't have adrenal fatigue and I was back to the game. So I kind of proved to myself that if you want something, even so big like Grand Slam with a proper training and the proper mentality, you can accomplish that. Even though, you know, there were some, 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 some problems at each of the race. You know, because like Grand Slam basically now is longer Grand Slam, but it's a kind of uh, there is a game like it is, yeah. Because like courses were prolonged. You know, like Vermont is like five miles longer. Yeah, you know, yeah. and and conditions for sure are not the same. I got injured during Western States, you know, in the very first race, and normally probably I would drop that race, you know, if you know, like thinking clearly. But as I was for Grand Slam, and like there was like 
three other races in front of me. I didn't want to stop, so I just, you know, suffer it. Like, I, they made unnecessary damage to my calf, which was injured. Yeah, so, so yeah, so... Yeah. And, and it's it's worth just for the, the benefit of people listening pointing out that mm-hmm. you, f- you finished sixth at states you won vermont you finished yes. seventh at leadville and then you had all those challenges at leadville and you still come out of that to win the wasatch 100 um i'm about three weeks later so um you may have fallen short of the record but there's still four very impressive performances in such a short period of time yeah <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I am satisfied even with Leadville because it was kind of, again, like good lesson for me, you know, not to be probably too cocky because now I'll have a different approach to Leadville because uh, you must respect the attitude there. And, you know, even when I went for training there, I felt it very much and I was kind of concerned from the start uh, because it never happened to me. But anyway, yeah, Massage was kind of, I still, till the last race, I was positive that I still could break the record, and theoretically, I could. And I still was optimistic after 50k in Wasatch, because I run it in six hours, so... So yeah, so theoretically, I could break Ian's record, but yeah, after the three 100-mile races in my legs, you know, after 80k in Wasatch, uh, you know, my wheels started to fall, and yeah, so yeah, I backed off, and like, I just wished to, to finish the race. And, and when you, I mean, those are really impressive performances back to back to back to back. What's the, the what's the biggest strength you you bring into all of that, Kedemenis? And also, and maybe just as important, what's the what's the biggest weakness that you you guard against as well? So, what's your strength and what's your weakness that you you have in your toolbox? I think the biggest strength was my family. Yeah, because we discussed before, you know that yeah. they are kind of my secret weapon and I'm doing the races not only you know for myself I'm doing the races for them as well mm-hmm. so they give me this like necessary positive energy and so I would say they were my strength there and as well like you know it's family and their friends yeah because we have a good very good friend Dallas who lives in Reno Nevada you know it's close to, yeah. to Lake Tahoe and and he helped us a lot, you know. He helped me a lot during the in in 2015 when I first time visited US, you know. And he helped a lot, uh, you know, this time during during Grand Slam. So I kind of felt obliged, you know, as well to them, you know, to 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 do it well. And as I said, I run even with injury than I would normally want to do that. And won't advise anybody to do that because you are just jeopardizing your health and this is not the thing you you wish to gamble on but yeah sometimes you must sacrifice you know yourself for other people because they are putting as well no less effort you know into your journey they are putting a lot of trust so the people around my races and you know my family this is what gives me the, the strength and i think it's the biggest energy you know which i am receiving you know for running and uh weaknesses yeah i must think about my weaknesses i think the weaknesses were like kind of uh everything what i cannot control you know i couldn't control the injury i just jumped you know in the western state in the river and something happened to my calf you know i i got just yeah. trained you know and i suffered you know from 
from Robinson Flat till the end. So it's like from mile 30, I guess, you know, for 70 miles, I was just in huge pain. Yeah. So this is like the weakness is what I can't control. You know, Vermont was the weather, which I cannot control. Yeah. So this is my weaknesses uh, because it was like super hot. It was like uh, 42 degrees Celsius or 112 Fahrenheit and 70% humidity. So this is was killing, you know, and I started to pee blood, you know, and some some guys, my patients advised me to stop because, of course, I'm damaging my uh, my kidneys. But yeah, so this is the weakness as well. And yeah, but, you know. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's um, that's quite the pairing. Um and and I guess just maybe maybe um one one last question on your your, your kind of running side of things from me um mm. you you I've had a look at your your training on on Strava and it looks like you do not only quite a bit of running but also a lot of um, strength and conditioning. Is your training structured and or, or rigid or do you just listen to your body and do what feels right? Uh you know uh I kind of for years noticed that the strength exercises like uh, makes me much better runner so i try to incorporate you know the the weights you know weights routine uh yep. to to my training kind of regularly so i'm doing it twice per week usually you know and i have a you know a kind of walking basically my uh core and lower pa part of the body you know and just real very really i am I'm, I'm going for my upper body but but yeah I, I don't think that or i think actually that you you must to incorporate different things to become a better runner uh, besides running itself yeah couldn't yeah. agree more yeah so yeah so other you know like other runners we do like schema but I, I don't have this luxury, so I'm trying to condition myself for what I have, you know. And as I said, I don't have mountains, so sometimes I'm playing mind games, you know, and I'm imagining that my box, which I'm looking right now actually in, because I'm doing this in the gym, you know, like, it's kind of my mountain. I'm doing the climbing, you know, up and down, up and down, you know, so so, so many yeah. times. So, so yeah. But I, again, I must be honest, like Lithuania is not totally flat. And even tomorrow I'm going to kind of small local race where we have uh, one hill, like it's 60 meters high, but we'll yeah. do it like for for six hours, you know? So, yeah, so, wow. so, so I remember last time I did it, it, it was like, I got like in six hours around 5,000 meters. So it's kind of solid, solid training, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of running. Yeah. But. Shortly, yes, I'm incorporating bike, weight, yoga, even sauna. I'm calling sauna training, you know. So I'll yeah. do a lot of things besides running, yeah, which makes me a better running without no running at all. <laughs> yeah. And even even through this period, Goodman, it's obviously um, we can't get through a podcast at the moment without talking about the coronavirus pandemic and how it's affected everyone. Mm. Are you are you still training with the same kind of intensity and? Um, obviously it's changed the shape of your year normally you'd probably be traveling at this point and going into big races so how, how has it affected you the last few months actually you know a lot of people asking like similar question but i didn't miss racing you know i just like running yeah. so for me it doesn't matter if i am 
training or I am racing, you know, and I had already some chances to do or to participate in the races, but I just rejected some of them because, uh, like just training and just being here home, you know, or like last, uh, week, actually I've been in a Poland in Tatra mountains. It gives me one more joy currently. And I think that I be actually during this Corona time or actually this is like huge quarantine time in Lithuania, like which we had like for, I don't know, it's like place to place, but here we have like two months of quarantine. So it made me the stronger runner because I did more, you know, I, I did more self-care because sometimes, you know, as a runner, when you're traveling, you know, you're neglecting the weight room, you know, or you're forgetting about yeah. stretching because you are too tired. So I was kind of constant with my training. I reduced the load, which gives me gave me a better recovery, you know, from the races which I did in the past. And the last one was Gran, Can Gran Canaria, so it's not so so. It's, it's, it it is kind of recent race, so so yeah. So I think that this quarantine, it could sound cruel, made me stronger, and I'm kind of happy just staying home, you know, chilling just running mountains enjoying not having the pressure from you know sponsors myself yeah. or, or or their friends or their fans you know just to go for races to win the races so it's it's kind of good time for me but i still have uh most likely three races which are still on my calendar but i'm not sure if we are not going to vanish like the races before but i still have uh one race in united states it's called the Kodiak beer, big beer race, oh, 100 yeah. miles, yeah, in September. So I'm currently planning to go there, but as well, it depends on situation. And then Australia, apparently, but I don't know after the landslide, which we have like recently, if the race is going to happen. And if it's not going to happen, so there is another like Patagonia run, which, you know, again, uh, could happen in at the end of November. So yeah, so free races still this year, which I'm training for, but yeah, we'll see. Life will show. You know, I regret nothing. Like I'm happy to race, I'm happy to train, I'm just happy to run. And you know, so it just movement and training makes me happy. So I don't need necessarily to be, you know, all the time uh, you know, in the play on the plane and just going for from race to race. And and Kedda Minnis, it sounds like to me you love running for what it brings to your life. Um, so beyond racing, what 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 does running hold for you longer terms? Or are there sort of things you would like to accomplish outside of the the running events? Is there anything you like adventures you may have your eye on? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure if I got it right, but you mean what running is? What running is for me? Yeah, let, let let me rephrase that. So mm -hmm. you you love running for mm -hmm. the for the the pursuit of just running, and races are something you do as a by you know alongside that. Do right. you do you do you have adventures planned beyond racing for for maybe later in life? Yeah, you know, usually I'm planning my my races or some adventures. You know, running adventures like few few years in advance and. As I'm becoming older, I really wish to try something longer because I notice that I like to be, you know, on the trails or in the mountains for a long time. Uh, 
because like if you ask me this question you know like what is my strength i would say like 100k but it was already five years ago now i'd say 100 miles yeah but in the future i'm looking for longer races like Tour de Jans, you know, or Triple Crown of 200 miles in the US. So this is kind of new me, and I think this new new races, new formats, something what I didn't try before, some new challenges, you know, for my body and mind, uh, will bring me more joy, you know, than just repeating the stuff which I did for the several years, you know, just doing the ultra tail world tour races you know year by year you know so so uh, so yeah definitely i'm looking for some new challenges and this is what grand slam was for but i i try to do like longer events you know and uh i don't know if it's up to point but like virtual races doesn't give me the joy you know like a lot of people yeah. now do virtual racing and it's kind of I don't know. It's weird. You know, I, I have no joy. I'll better go for a long training, you know, like I do yeah, sometimes eight hours or 10 hours running in the mountains, you know, but, but virtual racing, it's, it's not for me. It's better just, you know, just to enjoy and not to do this virtual things. Yeah. But it's, yeah, that it's like whatever people like. And yes. And FKTs. Yeah. I, I planned previously, you know, like some FKTs, but it never happened. So maybe in the future I'll do one or two, but currently it's like, I don't want to like say it loud because maybe I'll feel obliged later to do it. So I, yeah. I didn't decide actually, yeah. I, I had a plan actually, which is not a secret to do the Tahoe Lake FKT. Uh, but it just, because it was Killian's, you know, somehow I'm, not big fan of Killian, and I wanted to, you know, to, to break the Tahoe, Tahoe Lake, you know, FKT. But it was broken yeah. recent, recently, so I kind of lost the interest. And yeah, yeah so, yeah. That, that so sounds I, like I, another, another podcast episode to get uh, dig deep into that one, Gediminus. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like, you mean about FKTs or about Killian? <laughs> well, both, probably, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could be another podcast, but yeah, so... You know, Killian may be a good guy, but it's uh, just we have some disagreements, you know, or uh, disagreements of point of view about the life, you know, and what examples we must be for our communities. But it's, yeah, it's another topic problem. Yeah. Excellent. We just have a few fun questions now to ask mm -hmm. you to finish, and then we, we, we'll, we'll let you go. So <clears throat> these are our fast twist questions. So we'll just give you two choices. Okay. And you have to give us which one which one you prefer. So we'll just come at you with them nice and fast. So just no thinking, just give us what your, your favourite of these are. So I'll, okay. I'll start and then Paul will go next. So okay. question one, pizza or pasta? Pizza. Intervals or hill reps? Hill reps. Philosophy or psychology? Philosophy. Comedy or drama? Comedy. Trails or tarmac? Trails. Music or books? Books. Hope or optimism? Optimism. Facebook or Twitter? Facebook. <laughs> Western States or UTMB? Ah, uh, UTMB. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to be a tricky one. And split shorts or long shorts? Split shorts. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Gediminis. I think we'll wrap it up there and Thank we'll you. let you get back to your evening. Thanks so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it and we'll hope we'll get a chance to maybe do it again and dig deeper into your mind and your competitive and spiritual nature and where they go head to head. So thank you so much for letting us talk to you. 
Thanks guys for having me and happy Cheers, trails. Brilliant, thank you. Before we finish up, a few thoughts if you'll indulge me. We talked to Gediminis about plans for the year and beyond and how he's been dealing with lockdown and race cancellations. Clearly it's a very uncertain time for athletes, especially with little to no racing going on. But there's also a lot of pressure too. There's a lot of stuff on social media, people taking on some huge challenges and running fastest known times or competing in virtual races. I really loved Gediminis' attitude towards it in that he was open and honest enough to say that virtual racing wasn't for him and he was enjoying the positives that can be found on the back of lockdown and this new normal we find ourselves in. So I think there's a lesson in that for us all. We don't always have to measure up against other people by making comparisons or feeling that we should be doing more all of the time. The philosopher Alan Watts talked about the backwards law and I think it's even more relevant these days with the infinite number of things we can now see or know, even just on social media. And with that, there's an infinite number of ways we can discover that we don't quite measure up. I think that I agree with this idea, this backwards law, that the desire for more positive experience is in itself a negative experience. The more we pursue feeling better all the time, the less satisfied we become as we get acutely aware of what's missing or the things that we are lacking. So maybe with greater acceptance of poor or challenging situations like lockdowns and missed races, paradoxically, it can become a much more positive experience. So instead of comparison and seeking because we think we should, maybe we should accept and enjoy the ripe berries of this time. Thanks so much for listening. If you'd like to hear more, then please subscribe, leave us a comment and share it on social media. Why don't you take a screen grab and tag us in with your favourite quote or takeaway from the episode. I'm sure Gediminis would like to hear from you as well if you want to tag him on social media. Huge thanks to Comprisport for supporting the series. Comprisport creates some of the very best technical performance running and multi-sport clothing. The designs and fabrics are always evolving as the apparel has pushed its limits by some of the best endurance athletes in the world, people like Gediminis. You can check out Comprisport.com. We'll be back soon with more of these conversations on living the ultra life where we'll talk further about the people, the places, the culture and the training behind our running lives. I'm Paul Giblin. And I'm James Stewart. And you've been listening to the Pylon Ultra Pod. Boom.